0: Have you ever taken karate? Can't say that oh. I
1: have.
0: Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> you guys You've are in the presence karate? You guys are in the presence of a second degree yellow belt. So, kiss my ring. Um, I don't okay. Can somebody explain the belt color system? I don't know. Yes, I was in karate for that. a week and they sell <laughs> the belts <laughs> to make money. So, you move through pretty quick because they figure you know, you're paying for the classes but you also have to pay for each belt um so th- oh. that's how they get you so I was in karate literally I think I went twice and I already got my 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 yellow belt uh so I don't know maybe it was a sham did you but maybe it was just a, no. a belt manufacturer that put himself up as a karate business but um yeah second degree yellow belt so you didn't really learn karate you just bought a belt no, okay, I was. I went to one session, and, okay, you so the reason a, I quit is because the, the instructor insisted that every movement you did, you go, Kia! Kia! Every time. Every time. And, like, if you did a move silently, he would get mad at you. And wow. so it turned That's into the noisiest voice lessons st- more than, yeah, it's just a bunch of these 10-year-olds yelling, <laughs> Kia! Kia! This over and over. So yeah, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't really what I thought. <laughs> All right.
2: Um, well, that I feel like I'm kind of glad I didn't take karate. So I, I wasn't interested much in it until one day, the other day, years ago. My parents rented The Karate Kid on VHS. <laughs> yes. And we watched it as a family. And by the end of it, I was so excited for karate because I wanted to defeat the evil. What's it called? The snake dojo or whatever
0: i don't even know
2: but i remember tunnel snakes rule staring at a wall staring <laughs> tunnel snakes rule staring at a wall thinking if i asked to go to karate lessons right now my parents will know it's only because i watched that movie so i had to wait like a week to ask but the problem was a week <sighs> later i didn't care about karate anymore
1: oh no <laughs>
0: so sad so cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the hype was the only oh thing gosh. about
0: karate that i liked wow that's weird why why would you not feel like i feel like that would be the best time be like mom and dad that was cool can i take karate lessons why would you be a big yeah,
2: right like i don't know why i was so okay so um maybe <laughs> i should say this i'm nervous cuz some of the people in my family watched or listened to the podcast um but my my older brother was really just um like the school bully in a lot of ways, and so anything that I thought was cool, he thought was completely stupid, and so I would be made fun of. And so I knew that he was going to give me a hard time for being interested in karate only because of a movie.
1: Wouldn't you be able to use your your sick new karate? Moves yeah, wouldn't to beat you him be able to
2: beat him up? That actually never crossed my mind.
0: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> never oh. crossed my mind. I'm not a violent uh, person, Jake. Oh, you'd be perfect for karate then. Oh. Wait, that's not right. Oh,
1: that's that's not karate. What is? What, you what know what? We're mixing
0: our metaphors here.
2: Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode twenty-two: The Monk Class.
0: What is the monk? Kia. <laughs> Kia. Uh, (laughs) um the monk is a unarmed fighter right their body is their weapon all they
1: do is is they take just large thin pieces of wood and they chop them in half with their hand
0: that's all they
1: do is is that okay so
0: what are your guys thoughts about the monk class love it hate it just initial thoughts
2: oh i like it
1: i like it a lot So, it's actually one of the three classes that I have yet to play. Oh, this is one of the three classes I have played.
0: Ho ho! So, as far as the monk goes, it's kind of a reverse rogue for me. And let me tell you why. So, the rogue, I haven't had many rogues in my games, but every time I play, like, I love playing a rogue. Like, I always try to play a rogue when I get to play. This is the opposite. I've had a lot of monks in my games, but I have no desire to play a monk. I I just... I don't know. It's just not... Maybe it's because I didn't watch Dragon Ball Z. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of kung fu movies. And so there's just... I don't know. I'm not that attracted to this class. But it's been great every time I've been a dungeon master, for one.
1: Yeah. I. So when I like to... Like classes in five e specifically, I like to figure out ways to break them, and I haven't figured out a good way to break <laughs> the monk yet. Oh my gosh! So one day I, I'll play one, and it will just, I'll just beat everyone.
2: Yeah, when you realize that you're getting like twenty eight unarmed attacks in a turn, you're gonna be like, hey, this is pretty good.
0: <laughs> um,
2: so I, I agree with Jake in the sense that there's a lot of stuff about the monk that doesn't necessarily appeal to me as a Western consumer of media. I'm not a big Kung Fu movie guy. Like I watched Kill Bill 1 and 2, so mm-hmm. that's the extent of my Kung Fu films. <laughs> um, I have watched Avatar The Last Airbender, but I've not watched Dragon Ball Z. I played a monk in Diablo 3, so that's basically my uh, career history with this kind of thing. And I think a part of it is I don't oh. know much about Eastern monasteries. And, I, and as far as stories go, like that wasn't in my fantasy milieu
1: growing up. So you're saying huh. you're not a weeb. <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I don't know if this has to do with, like, Eastern versus Western, because the class I most want to play is a samurai fighter. <laughs> like, that is something I really want mm. to play. Um, and, but a monk, I don't know, like, the fantasy of punching a dragon to death, it sounds really <laughs> cool, but, like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't crave that. <laughs> You know, I think there's something cool about um
2: not necessarily punching a dragon to death but being a person who is so trained that their body is just as powerful of a weapon as somebody with a magic sword and they're punching fireballs and gushing winds gushing gusting winds gushing wind <laughs> gushing water <laughs> gusting wind and basically the the world is bending around them like some kind of air bender
1: ho oh, ho whoa um. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's cool to have basically a character who is registered as a lethal weapon themselves just because they're so is capable at using their body to inflict pain on other people.
0: Or in some yeah, cases they can't be, be disarmed. Well they I guess they can yeah. be disarmed. Well, you but they'd could have, be to, disarmed. have to cut the arms off. It would be the <laughs> literal definition. <laughs> Of being disarmed. De- dearmed. You can't be disarmed. You can be dearmed. <laughs>
2: dearmed. Dearmed. So, all right. So um, okay. so the player's handbook describes the monk as a highly trained, highly focused spiritual warrior. Um, so I've delved into Xanathar's and I found some tables that will help you flesh out your character, your monk character. Um, and the first table is... The monastery that you hail from, and the second is the master who trained you. So it'll give you some flavor on this. So let's, um, you want to roll up some some tables, Jake? Ooh, let's let's roll We're starting early. Tables.
0: Oh yeah, random table right, time starting early D6, in the show. <laughs> All right, um, three. All
2: right, so this is your monastery. Um, your monastery was founded long ago by a cloud giant and is inside a cloud castle that can be reached only by flying. What? Whoa. Whoa beth the, all okay. right. So already, my monk is definitely not some Eastern guy. He's just a flying fairy
1: tale monk. Maybe an Ericakra.
0: Oh, 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 yeah. Like you like have like that.
1: a cool like eagle monk, or I saw one and it was a parrot monk. I saw an image <laughs> and it was and it looks like dude. Super, yeah, I saw like, one, one too.
0: Awesome. I love. I, I call on them on Ericos, but I love them there's so much flavor cuz one of heavy. my friends was talking about playing an ostrich ericoa <laughs> 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 and what that would look like like what oh man there's a lot Did, of weird like would people get like bonuses tupin? to attack their neck i oh, <laughs> pro- could you play uh, a penguin <laughs> yes oh, i have a penguin, like, a penguin one, of so one of my npcs is like a a big rockhopper penguin uh in the post apocalypse wearing like old paladin armor Oh, so that's cool. cool. Yeah, maybe a platypus. They shook his. Wait. they shook his flipper. Wait, that's not a, a bird. Not a, not a bird. No, is it? right. no, it's in its own category. David, loves, David just just keep going. Just <laughs> what about a walrus? What about a hippopotamus?
2: <laughs> oh man. All right, so we're gonna roll up the master next. Jake, give me a d six.
0: All right, um. Five. It says, your master was
2: cold and distant. You suspect that the two of you might be related. Oh. are oh. building drama
0: into your character history. That's the mm. best. Oh, mm. It's so... It, like, long lost father. father? Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Um, I think, in general, the monk, with these things, they... I talk a lot about flavor being built into a class or having to, like, infuse a class with with flavor later on. Um, this is one of the classes where, like, it, just picking, like, your monastery, your mentor, your, like, martial art, like, all of that adds so much flavor. And it's like you have to pick those things. You can't just be like, I'm just a monk that, that punches or something. Like, you kind of have to have some some flavor infused in there.
2: We're going to talk about the core features of the monk. So uh, this is all from the player's handbook. And uh, later we'll see content from Xanathars. So the core features of the monk include martial arts. Um, this is cool because they, whenever they make an unarmed attack, they deal D4 damage instead of one. So in general, in D&D, you don't ever want to do an unarmed strike unless you're a monk. Um, they also get to make mm-hmm. their unarmed attack as a bonus action instead of a full action. Um, they get access to something called key points. Um, I think it's normally spelled Chi, but they spelled it K-I because that way normies like us would say it correctly, but it's key points. Um, okay, so key points are a resource um, that you get as a monk. Um, you get one per level of monk you have, right? So is that right, Jake?
0: Yes, so so one per level of monk, which is so much more streamlined and nice as a system. I love it. It's like, okay, my monk is level 13. It's got 13 key. It's so much... It's so easy to explain that to a newcomer than it is to be like, all right, you got 16 spell slots, but half of them are third level, two of them are this level, and you can use third. It's just, oh, it's so much easier. And I wish <laughs> what, the spell system what, was more what streamlined. New characters...
2: Like. <laughs> I have a question, Jake. <laughs> what okay. newbie has 16 spell slots at level one? Because I want to play that class. I, I, yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. I just... This oh, system maybe. is so streamlined, and it's refreshing um in comparison to a lot of the other kind of like you have to do math to figure out how much mana pool you have you know
2: yeah i think there are some uh house rules or maybe it's even the sorcerer who has spell points that could spend to spit to buy spells of a certain slot value yeah yeah it makes sense for a newbie all right um Mm -hmm. so you have key points and you spend them to unlock new things for your class so um they have three things when you first get key points at level two or three yeah. early on in your career. The first is for flurry of blows, which allows you to make two unarmed attacks, which means on your turn you're making three attacks, which is great. Just it's like a hit you with my sword, hit you with my fists, <laughs> and then or maybe I would hit you with my head because they always do that in kung fu movies where they like head whip somebody. Um, <laughs> you have patient defense, take dodge as a bonus action, and then step of the wind, which lets you dash or disengage and run f- run twice and jump twice as far. So I think this <laughs> sounds more useful on paper than it would be in the game. Unless, like, even if you're playing on a battle map, in general, your your characters can already move just about everywhere they need to on their yeah. turn. But the monk can now move, I would say, almost anywhere on the map. But I don't know if that's tactically advantageous. Yeah, but it sounds great. Yeah, unarmored movement—it just really increases their movement um, as, throughout their life.
1: Gotta go um, fast. At the lowest
2: levels, they get plus 10 movement speed. And then by the time you're the highest level, you can move 30 additional feet. So that's usually about double normal, just as a normal
0: movement. Yeah, We're and that is, so that is so awesome. So I think yeah. one thing I've tried to do in my games is I never use a battle map, ever. It's all theater of the mind. But I really tried mm-hmm. to make movement speed worth something. Because um, oftentimes I'll just put you know a magic item that just... Ups your movement speed. Um, and it 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 doesn't feel that good. So I'm really trying to incorporate movement speed more. Um, and really to tell your the players, like, hey, if you have above average movement, like, make sure to remind me of that. And you'll be able to get closer or do more acrobatic stuff. Um, just so I can use this system. And it isn't just something that's just ignored because I don't have a battle map.
2: Hmm. I... I have an idea for a house rule system where instead of having an actual movement speed that's like in squares or in feet, you would just have a skill to roll. That's just your ability to move. This may be a dwarf would be more clumsy and slow. And all you say is I want to move over there. And then you would do a skill roll, some very simple thing. And in general, you can move wherever you want. And if it's extra far, Hmm. it would be a harder roll, Right. Um, And this way it still matters. And there's still a decision they have to make, but it's not like, Oh, well I have 30 feet. Can I move there? Yes, probably. Yeah. It's just a little more concrete. I've seen the same kind of thing with money, where instead of having actual gold pieces, you count. You just have a wealth skill, and uh, so when what? you want to buy something, you would just you would just roll your skill, and it's like, oh yeah, of course I have enough money to afford this. Like it, it's not even. Oh, a question. that's so. And, and I think in um, Torchbearer, that's how they handle wealth, and so that comes off of your character history, your whole life. Like if you're a noble, you have the wealthy level of wealth and you can afford anything and so Uh things that the shop will say you need to be you must be this rich to buy this thing so you can be a sailor and you have like yeah you have some money but you can't walk in and buy an entire ship but a wealthy Uh aristocrat probably could
0: that's interesting
2: huh Mm -hmm. this one's fun it's called deflect missiles um basically there's a mechanic that i don't have to describe here but it lets you have a chance to catch arrows that are fired at you and throw them
1: back at the person I think it's super fun. Oh man, oh, this, this is, is cool. This is a really fun
0: ability for me. Deflect missiles. When I hear deflect missiles, I'm I'm thinking of actual like warhead missiles, oh. <laughs> and, and like the monk <laughs> is just like punch, knocking them away, just blocking them. Um, but missiles—that'd be it fun say for like one shot arrows. Monks in a <laughs> monks she in the. I mean,
1: mainly just arrows. It says a
2: ranged weapon attack. Could they catch a yeah, bullet? So you, theoretically, you probably oh, could, as long as you can reduce the damage to zero. Cool. It. So that's arrows, sling bullets, um, mm-hmm. like projectiles, rocks that are thrown at you. Um, theoretically, Spears. a missile
1: fired from a a <laughs> jet.
0: Oh, <laughs> it's a missile.
1: I, I wish. <laughs> I wish that as you leveled up, that you could deflect more missiles. So starting at you know level three, you can only do one, but maybe as you level up. Um, so let's say you get to like level, level seven, you could do like two and maybe like at 13, you could do another one or Mm. something like that. I think that'd be really cool. So you're just like, (laughs) you're just like sitting there and just like, (laughs) pop, 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 pop. And just like knocking them all away. Jake, can you shout? I'm
0: imagining. Kia. Oh, uh, no, I'm imagining, like, just a <laughs> mobster with a Tommy gun, and the mobster goes up and just shoots this this Shaolin monk, and the monk falls down, and everyone thinks he's dead, but then he stands up, and just in his hand are a bunch of bullets that he caught. <laughs> dude, this is just Neo, oh, dude. Man. Like, oh, isn't that Essentially, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: Neo didn't even have to dodge bullets by the end of it. He would just hold, hold up his hand, and they would stop. Um, what I'm thinking mm-hmm. of is the Ancient One from Doctor Strange. Where she's this untouchable, oh, yeah. highly magical person. Yeah, I think Doctor Strange did a lot for the Shaolin monk community in America. For making oh, yeah. them seem very <laughs> magical and cool.
1: Mm, I want to become a monk now.
2: Hmm. Alright, so that is Deflect Missiles. Um, as you level up, eventually, um, I think at 4th level, you get Slow Fall. And it just means that anytime you're falling, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage you take. So it basically, you're always going to land gracefully, like a cat.
1: You can reduce the amount so, of yeah, damage you, you, you take by 5 times each your monk level mm-hmm. which is crazy
2: because, so basically uh, you don't take fall damage at level 20 you could reduce right? well uh, I guess if you it says use your reaction how does that economy work? you have action, bonus, and, and then, then reaction, reaction. That's- so you can almost always do this because nothing uses your reaction in this game
1: Most things don't.
2: most things don't well your deflect missiles does okay so the way to kill a monk is you fire a bunch of missiles at them on the edge of a cliff and then they fall and they can't slow fall and then they <sighs> fall to their death
1: well, that's I feel like good. if the fall was big enough, they would get another action that's from getting knocked off.
2: Like another turn. And are just adding yeah. rules. Oh, this is what it's like to play with David and D&D, Jake.
0: <laughs> that's, yeah. He knows the rules <laughs> better than me. And all I
2: can do is, like, throw more enemies at him who get one <laughs> shot from seven strikes in one round. Oh, seven oh. Flurries, one seven flurries, one blow. Seven flurries, one blow. All right, so that's slow fall. Next is stunning strike. I like this one a lot. This is a very thematic, um... Says you interfere with the flow of ki in an opponent's body. You can hit them with a melee attack. Spend a point. They have to make a saving throw, or else they're stunned. So you just this is with the amount of attacks he has, um, you're just zipping around the battlefield, stunning everything. Um, like on every turn, you're probably stunning something. And then your your buddies, your partners, are throwing fireballs against people who can't make a dexterity saving throw. And
0: yeah, then, you that's know, really you good.
2: Counting your money.
0: <clears throat> really good crowd control. Whew.
2: Uh, they have evasion. It just means that uh, instead of making saving throws for half damage, they save for no damage at all. They're just cool Ooh, like that. Dang. They have uh, stillness of mind. They can use their action to end charm or frightened effects on themselves. That's good. They're just like, I am no longer afraid of you.
1: You do not scare <laughs> me anymore.
2: Um, and then they have unarmored movement improvement. That just means... Um, so. This, you get early on, that's when you run faster, but this improves it so you can now run up vertical surfaces and across the surface
1: of water. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just imagining just anime (laughs) running across water. Yeah. And then stunning people. Oh, pop. Um,
2: So I'm just going to hit some highlights here. Um, So they have Timeless Body. At level 15, you no longer age. Oh, this one is interesting. Tongue of the Sun and Moon. At 13th level, you can... You understand all spoken languages, and you can be understood by all. That's so Not cool! So you can just talk to <clears throat> everyone. yeah, you're the universal, even, including yeah. birds, you can talk to celestial,
0: trees, abyssal. Oof. Man, that's crazy! So, wait, it, yeah, they, this thing has a ton of right. core features.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. like that's, a lot. Every monk will get this stuff. They get diamond soul, which gives you proficiency in all saving throws, and you re-rolled failed save, so you're almost impossible to to. to <laughs> I would say you're virtually immune to saving throw effects because even yeah. if you fail, you will save for half, mm-hmm. which is yeah. ridiculous to me. Um, all right, and then finally, perfect self is their twentieth level ability. When you roll for initiative and have no key points remaining, you regain four
0: key points. I was listening to Mike Merles, uh do his like character or not character like game design workshop series called Happy Fun Hour, and he was um, he made a subclass for the rogue and a subclass for the uh warlock and basically the way he described it is in when they were designing the classes for 5e the more core features a class has the less different these subclasses will be uh, and basically course, yeah. he, he made a warlock and like the warlock doesn't have that many core features but they're packed And, like, their patron determines so much. And warlocks can go in way different Uh directions. Um, But then you said with the rogue, an assassin rogue and a mastermind rogue may feel a little different. But they're really mechanically not as far from each other as some of the, Mm. you know, crazy warlock subclasses are. And so with this, Uh this monk has so many core features. And it really, going by that logic of what Mike Merle said, like it means the monks are pretty monkey regardless of their subclass. Like they are very, (laughs) (laughs) they're very monkey monkey, monkey. monkey? uh, (laughs) but like, it's really interesting to see. They have so many core features. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to look at the subclasses to see if they're a little thinner.
1: Uh, I think they're, yeah. Um, they're definitely not as dense as the options that you have with warlock, but they're still pretty cool. Yeah. There's not much here. Mm. Looking at my overview, um,
2: that the specializations give you. So um, let's talk about those. These are called monastic traditions of the monk. These are the subclasses and specialties. Um, as Jake was saying, there's only what um, four, four or five things you get in each subclass because you get so many core features. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is mm-hmm. from the Player's Handbook. It's called The Way of the Open Hand. I'm calling it the Master of Martial Arts. This is your very straightforward, what you think of um, when you think of a uh, almost a... Not magical, but it's so powerful that it's like magic. Um, you'll see this in Kill Bill um, because they're just amazingly good at karate yeah. and, and kung fu and uh, martial arts in general. Mm-hmm. So the first thing mm-hmm. you get with the way of the open hand is the open hand technique. This means your flurry of blows, your bonus action key spender, can now knock down, push away, or stop enemy reactions. So you're just w- shutting down the battlefield. is yeah. terrific. Um, you also get the ability to heal yourself every day. You can get access to the Tranquility spell, which um, I think it makes it so monsters can't fight when they're in the circle. They Ooh. just are pass- pacified. Ooh. And then huh. the last one is Quivering Palm. Uh, you strike an enemy, you send lethal vibrations through their body, and you can use your action to kill it up to uh, your uh, a few days later. So you, you can assassinate somebody by, just, yeah. by going up to them in a crowd, hitting them in a way that you know hurt, hurts a little. Yeah. And then you are miles away Use your points, snap your fingers, fingers. and half the world disappears. This is a Um, uh, pretty obvious reference to Kill Bill. Uh, In that movie, they have a five-point palm exploding heart technique. There's (laughs) worked a little differently, but it's the same idea where there's pressure points Mm -hmm. on your body you can hit, and then you'll make their heart explode after a little while, which is super fun. So cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is the most, uh, I'm going to say it again, monkey monk um, Mm -hmm. of the subclasses. This feels the most... um, standard. And it's it's really good. I feel like it would be much better uh on a battle map because they they seem to have a lot of like the open hand technique has a lot of crowd control um and like knockback and pushing away, stopping reactions. Um and so it feels like it'd be a little better for a battle map, but I still feel like this one's a pretty solid choice.
1: Yeah.
2: I could see this fitting pretty well in a city setting where I would have a secret underground cult of people who are um, not outwardly obviously monks, but they have some mm-hmm. levels in monk yeah. enough to do stuff like this. Though um, to get Quivering Palm, you got to be really high level. 17. Yeah. So that would be the boss, Ooh. the leader of the guild. Um, can you tell that I'm getting ready to run a Waterdeep campaign in a couple of weeks, Jake? <laughs> yep, I am too. Book's coming out. Mm-mm-mm. All right, uh, so that was the Way of the Open Hand. Next is the Way of Shadow, uh, or the Ninja Assassin. This is f- to fulfill that fantasy of hanging upside down from the rafters with a poison blow dart in your blow gun, shooting <laughs> whoever, Mr. Miyagi. being o So they get access to the Shadow Arts. They can use key to duplicate the effects of spells. In this case, you can cast Darkness, Dark Vision, Pass Without Trace, Silence, and Minor Illusion, which Ooh. are just the sneakiest, snakiest these are great Assassinist <laughs> spells in the West. That's fun. They have Shadow Step, um, which lets you teleport sixty feet between shadows. This is really fun. So it's just
1: you can blink around in the shadows. As long yeah, as long as there's shadows around. So if it's at night, like you're good. Yeah, you can go which anywhere. Which is half the day. Kind of like,
0: oh, It's kind of like Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
2: huh. Or like the original idea, like Ra's al Ghul's ninja yeah. training that Batman had. Yeah. Um, all right they have cloak of shadows which means when you're in a shadow you can now just turn yourself fully invisible. Oof. I don't see uh, somebody with this class would n- almost never be attacked I don't think by an enemy because mm-hmm. as long as there is a shadow like if I was an annoying DM I would say every combat now takes place at exactly noon in a clear open field with no cover <laughs> um, but like you know it, that's you can't do that every time. yeah And then the last yeah. one is opportunist um, that lets the way of shadow assassin hit people. Who hit your allies as a reaction. So you just stand next to the tank, and whenever he gets hit, you get a free reaction to hit them mm, back. That's pretty good. Yeah. It, cool. When you combine this with all the core features of the monk, there's just fists flying
1: all the time. It's just a flurry of blows.
0: Oh okay, so I really think this would be good with a like assassin rogue to multi class. Oh, I could just see uh-huh. hiding, getting sneak attacks, and just doing so much damage
1: i agree yeah that'd be a a fun duo just play us shadow master monk and a rogue together Mm
2: -hmm. oh yeah you could do Mm -hmm. ungodly things yeah you You, you would rule that city
1: all you would have to do is as the monk just stun everyone and then the rogue would get sneak attacks on everyone because they're stunned and they would have (laughs) advantage which means they're like more likely to crit so you're just like and then you could both hide everyone just run away Yeah, and you both just run away in the shadows. I want to run a two-player (laughs) campaign.
2: Holding hands. I want to run a two-player campaign. um, Maybe it's with you two, where you play as those classes, and I just DM it, and I would put you on heists, and you have to go and get things done in the city. Let's do it. So fun. I like that.
1: episode, question mark? (laughs) Maybe,
2: yeah. Next, we have the... I think this is the last class from the Player's Handbook. Am I wrong about that? Yeah. Uh, You're right. This is the Way of the Four Elements. The Way of the Four Elements is just... The Avatar, as in the last airbender. This is your elemental magic user with this cool um, monk flair. They really Mm -hmm. only have two abilities as far as I can see because they get access to this big list of, um, what do they say, disciplines? Elemental disciplines? Yeah. Um, Eventually you'll get a total of four. Um, And these these are things like um, casting, what do they have? Let me look at some of these. I'll give you just a handful. The the Breath of Winter is basically Cone of Cold. Clinch of the North Wind is a hold person. Uh, the Fangs the Fire Snake, uh, which works kind of like a fiery whip. But yeah, so you're every two levels you get to unlock another discipline and you get uh, to cast all these spells by spinning key points. Now, I've heard online people complaining because the cost of spinning key points is very high to cast these compared to yeah. similarly leveled spell casters. Mm. And so the house mm-hmm. rules I see reduce the key cost for a lot of these
0: back down to something that's more manageable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard this is the most underpowered subclass for the monk, I think for the reason you just mm-hmm. mentioned.
1: Yeah.
2: This one's fun. Uh, I think Jake's going to like this one a lot. This is called The Way of the Drunken Master. Ooh. Uh, this yes. is
1: just uh, the panda from WoW. Uh, I was going to say from
2: that movie, Panda Express. Jack Black <laughs> plays a giant panda and he cooks dumplings, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. yes, <laughs> that too. Express. I'm so happy. Yeah. um the idea of the drunken master is a unpredictable opponent all right they get drunken technique it says flurry of blows now grants grants disengage as well so whenever you're hitting you're also just easily able to get away um they have an ability called tipsy sway which lets you leap to your feet if you're prone it will only cost five movement points to stand up instead of all of it so um i guess if you're fighting a lot of enemies who knock down people this is useful but i think it's pretty narrow um usage uh, redirect attack when a creature misses you with a melee attack spend a key to make that attack hit another nearby creature instead that's which I think so is really good funny. <laughs> yeah I, w- I would stand next to the biggest enemy like a dragon with a tail swipe and you just yeah. redirect that onto all of his minions every turn yeah
0: so this is just
1: that. when i when i think about this class i'm thinking this is just johnny depp in pirates of the caribbean because he'll like (laughs) dodge out of the way because he's always drunk Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense maybe he has a few levels in swashbuckler but he's probably (laughs) just a way of the drunken master i think you're right
0: see this is this is very interesting is is the drunken master actually drunk or is it all an act or can you play it like
1: it's a way of carrying yourself so that people think that you are drunk yeah yeah
2: you set yourself so, up to look like an easy target, but yet yeah, you're
1: completely capable yeah, of defeating totally But Johnny
0: drunk. Depp, but you explained Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is actually drunk, right? Is he, though, or and is so, it all an act? Well, maybe a little bit of both. I feel like it'd be really interesting to play a way of the drunken master who's actually drunk. <laughs> so, like, you're still getting disadvantage on a bunch of stuff, oh. but you just try to make it look better. So maybe it's like it, it like works <laughs> It makes your alcoholism less bad in combat.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Speaking of being drunk in combat, they get an ability called Drunkard's Luck, which lets you cancel disadvantage on yourself with two key points. That's really (laughs) good. This really helps that character fantasy, Jake. Uh, the yeah. last thing is Intoxicated Frenzy, which I think if anybody has been to a bar, you'll see this in the real world. Um, it says your flurry of blows can now add a total of five attacks in one round on different creatures. So you just do um, five very small drunken attacks um, to a big crowd I of people, which would be fun.
1: Punch you, punch you, punch yeah. you, punch you. <laughs>
2: and then you sit down and you eat a dumpling. That's, yes. that's what Panda Express would have done.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> what Panda Express would wow. have done. Wow. <coughs>
2: oh uh, boy all right uh, so this is we're almost through here these are all xanathar's specs including the drunken master the next one is the way of the kinsai or Kinsei. kinsaneda i don't
1: know <laughs> well,
2: this no. is the master of weapons so if you see a monk and you think i don't want to use my fists i want to use weapons this is the one for you um and when you first become a uh path of the Kinsei trainee you choose a melee and a ranged weapon and you are now the master of them eventually you'll have a total of four um so you just choose you know your long sword short sword whatever dual wielding two handers whatever you want that fits your fantasy you choose that and now um, you get all kinds of bonuses to that weapon um it makes your weapons magic it lets you parry it lets you be more deadly and then um (laughs) I don't know why it also gives you the way of the brush which gives you proficiency with your choice of calligrapher's supplies or painter's supplies so the oh so (laughs) read what um, a a kinsai sees a weapon in much the same way a calligrapher or painter regards a pen or brush whatever the weapon the kinsai views it as a tool used to express the beauty and precision of the martial arts that such a mastery makes a kinsai a peerless warrior is but a side effect of intense devotion practice
1: and study so it's like they're painting like when they're using a sword so they're like like, cutting with, like... Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. They're painting the that's, ground red cool. with blood. It's very
2: poetic and disgusting. This class is very simple.
0: Their high ability is... A re-roll a missed attack once per turn? That's incredible. Yes. That is like, yes. That's They'll insane. they almost never miss. Yeah. I would argue great. that they
2: will virtually never miss. Between being able to that's spend cool. different skill feats. Yeah. Um they can magically sharpen their blade with key yeah everything you're doing is just it's just you and your weapon artfully painting the battlefield with
0: the blood of your enemies right so um, hold on so is... can you choose any melee weapon at all yeah so you can choose like a, a great a axe uh, it, it's it's hard to imagine no, like, a, the artistic one-handed. nature of a great axe okay that's what i thought i'm pretty sure it's one handed
2: choose two types of weapons you so we can say one melee weapon and one ranged weapon they can be any simple or martial weapon that lacks heavy and special properties Longbow is also the oh, like,
0: so lacks heavy so it,
1: and special properties.
2: So no heavy and no so special. it
0: lacks yeah. So no rapier. Wait, could it
1: be a rapier? I uh, know you could use a rapier. Um, you could use a longsword.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That I think that's yeah, the that's best cool. you can do it for.
2: You couldn't do it like a pole yeah. or something, but still, um, I'm I'm imagining lots of ways to dress up these classes with unconventional dressing. Or you could have a Kinsai, but it's just a, um, a band of highly trained military special forces people who are so good with weapons that they're almost like uh, SEAL Team 6.
0: Ooh. And they all have different yeah. weapons. Yeah, like maybe they all have hand crossbows and there's like... Or they have
2: different weapons. So like, you have your two-handed guy, your ranged two-handed crossbow guy, and then some other crazy thing. That, I always cool. say whenever we do these, these episodes, um, if you had a party, a mono party of just all one class... You still have a lot of variation even within mm-hmm. these subclasses, which is really fun. Yeah. In spite of the yeah. seemingly uh, deep core features that make everybody mostly the same. Yeah. All right, we're almost done with the subclasses. This one, um, I think David will like because it's kind of an edge lord. This is the way of the long death. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> You're he's obsessed the with emo death. Monk. The, the class emo monk. So the way of the long death. This guy's obsessed with death in a um, kind of Dia de los Muertos way. Um, that's how I would do it. I would, I would play as a Spanish um, monk. Ooh. Anyway, ooh, so they have a touch cool. of death. I know, right? That'd like be fun. You, you have the candy, no, the sugar skull face makeup. Yeah, ooh. and a big sombrero. Oh, maybe two shotguns. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Come down the <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right, so the touch of death um, when a nearby creature dies, you gain temporary hit points from them. And this represents you absorbing their essence as the, their soul leaves the world. Creepy. Ooh. Um, they get the hour of reaping, which means you can just cause fear to all nearby enemies. You're just physically frightening, much like David wearing this makeup.
0: <laughs> um, at the
2: eleventh level, you get master of death. When you spend or when you go to zero health, you can spend one key point to go up to one health instead, which means you're very that's difficult nice. to die or to kill. Yeah, you know. that's cool. they think
1: could kill me? I can't die. I can't die.
2: And then finally, they get the touch of the long death you touch a creature, you spend one to ten key points, and the creature makes a con save. They take two d10 necrotic
1: damage per key point spent. So if you spend wow. ten key points, You're you d10. deal twenty d10 damage. Yeah.
0: Jeez, that's insane. They, that's they awesome. Yeah. So this is
1: like the more.
2: Uh, I don't know if it's better than the exploding palm thing from um, the first tradition. But it is cool, and I think I would flavor it with more of a
0: magical look, like you're consumed by this darkness. Yeah. Okay. This is definitely going to be an NPC potential bad guy uh, in my urban game. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. This this could be cool.
2: I think I'm going to have one gang faction, and at the top of every gang is um, my favorite high level subclass. It's like the mastermind. Yeah, that's great. And, Ooh, and definitely The yeah. Way of the Long Death would be like a kind of a death cult, but themed like a um, South American drug cartel. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm excited. All right. Uh, we're gonna talking about The Way of the Sun Soul. This is, I, all I could describe it as is light unbound. And I think mm. the idea behind this is... The monk has this connection with some divine, uh, extra planar entity or something, the sun, and that, or just the sun, and light is sh- trying to shine and burst out of you in everything you do. So it's pretty cool. It's like you've achieved perfect balance.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard this one's really, really good, um, especially. I've actually heard it's weak. With really, um, I, yeah. I saw a Reddit post about it. Um, maybe not the full class, but this multi-classing with other. Uh, things that do radiant damage is like apparently super cool.
2: Hmm. Um okay, so they get uh, Radiant Sun Bolt. It gives you a ranged attack that does radiant damage. Very good, very simple. The way of the Sun Soul also gains Searing Arc Strike. Spend two key points after any normal attack to also cast Burning Hands. That's great. So every turn just about you could be spending this to get Burning Hands. The problem is I don't know if Burning Hands is really worth it compared to spending a couple or like a key point to get two more unarmed attacks. Yeah. AOE. This, this helps solve the problem of only having single target damage when you need little area damage. little oomph. little oomph,
1: little oomph for yourself.
2: They get Searing Sunburst, which creates an orb of exploding light in a mm-hmm. 150-foot range. That's fun. Uh, didn't you tell me that there were some players who played a Curse of Strahd campaign and they were all Sun Soul Monks and they just roasted <laughs> yes, Strahd? <laughs> yes, yes. So
0: I think, I think there was a Divine Soul Sorcerer there was a Way of the Sun Soul uh, monk, and the other one was like a uh, radiant, like, cleric. <laughs> and so they, oh my gosh. they just went in and, like, shot Strahd with laser beams, essentially. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, oh, yeah, man. fried him in his own home. Because I think he takes yeah. extra damage from radiant. Um, yeah. And then the last thing you get um, <laughs> is Sun Shield to 30-foot radius aura of light that deals radiant damage to all creatures that attack you. Mm. that's fun so you just stand still Mm. and everything uh kills itself by by hitting your brightly illuminated yeah i
0: i like that yeah i like that Mm. that's cool
2: all right um so that is all of the specializations how would we improve the monk to make it something that we would want to play
0: hmm i think for me it would be simply multi-classing it with other things um i'm i'm seeing a lot of different ways even maybe Adding uh, like multi-classing with the barbarian to see how rage affects um, unarmed, just just a flurry of blows with rage. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the I think mechanically and structurally, like that, the class is is good. Um, and even flavor wise, it's it's super cool in a lot of ways. But it's just not something. I don't know. I I get to play D and D so little because I'm a forever GM. That when I am going to play, I just this this isn't this isn't at the top of my list, but it is flavorful yes. and awesome.
1: So the question is, what would make it go to the top of your list? Uh,
0: really, it's it, I like weapons, and so someone who uh-huh. doesn't attack with weapons. Um, so I think if Why I if would play, play, it would Kensei be the kinsing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I'm, that's what I would do, because um, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's still not enough to to take it over the edge. Uh, I think the additions of Xanathar's Guide are super cool. Um, like, a lot of the subclasses that we got in Xanathar's, a lot of them are really cool. But some of them are kind of like, okay. Um, but the monk, <laughs> I felt, like, needed. Uh, you know, they kind of have the avatar, the ninja, and then, like, the standard monk. They add so much flavor with these subclasses. Like, Kinsey... Uh, yeah. Drunken Master, mm-hmm. Long Death, like so. Yeah, if I would play, it would be a Kensai, but I just don't know if it's my flavor, and that's not knocking the class at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so I don't know how me, I would improve it.
2: Yeah, for me, I find the um, the lore to be um, a little bit unapproachable because I don't. Same. I just don't know much about Eastern religion or or even like monk stuff in a movie sense, right? Like I, I'm a total newbie, and I think the inclusion of monks requires you to have um, a part of your world that is based on some sort of um i think it's called orientalism right like this unhealthy perception of what that world looks like and so i'm hesitant Mm -hmm. to to do that because i feel like i would do a lot of cliche things and even well i don't know if this is worse uh, my players are equally uninterested in that world because we're playing this medieval fantasy mostly like european kind of thing um Even you see what I'm saying, but I don't know. It's just the lore of it I find is very strange. So I, I, in a way I have to find my, um, what's the right word? I have to find my narrative entry point into these classes.
1: So honestly, I think that I find the monk class lore wise kind of uninspiring. I, there, it has a lot of potential But they don't seem to capitalize on that potential. They talk about all these cool things like monastic traditions and all of that. And I know in the beginning it talks about how like as a monk you're gonna have different duties, but that doesn't ever come into play. Um, When especially when I compare it to like a paladin and your oath that you take. If you, I think that there's so much that could be done with the different path that you take down as a monk, if that had an impact on the way you roleplayed or. The way that you interacted with the world so you have all of these different traditions if um, so in from what i understand in the in the east they also have a lot of different ideologies that go along with the martial arts mm-hmm. like it's not just like i know how to fight it's it's a way of life and you don't get to see that that way of life aspect play out in the class itself you only get to see like hey i can do you know this amount of attacks now you never get to see like hey like i am i'm trying like my goal as this type of person is to help people who are weak or to um to enforce a certain ideology on the world you don't get to see that come out within the class it's something kind of you have to add in yourself which makes it less
0: appealing for me to play hmm. huh. because it's something i see to so i am The opposite of you guys, because I think the flavors of the monk are fantastic, like the whole martial arts and picking a mentor and those crazy cool monasteries. I mean, I don't disagree Um, with that.
1: I'm just saying there's not enough of that in there. I'm saying it.
0: I mean, what should they just make the list of cool monasteries longer? Would that help? uh, No,
1: I think there needs to be more like tie ins, like with like what you choose affecting how you play the game. So if you choose the way of the long death, like you should be playing very differently than someone who is playing a way of the open palm, and that and the ideology yeah. of those two different traditions should be, you know, more significant in my
0: opinion. I mm. feel, I feel like that's up to the role player though. Like I don't think you can mechanically bake that in any more than I they think have. the paladin I, I think does for it. Me, I don't know. I, for me, I've had monks in my games, and they all my monks have been awesome. Like like they have had really cool Jake. you also have had, some um, of the
1: best players so you can't like ar- use that as an well, argument
0: yeah. but like i guess it, when we're looking at a class and evaluating it shouldn't should we judge it i don't know because when i should a class judge i class? imagine the best right player now? should you judge it by the best player the best role player playing a monk or a person who was just introduced to D and i feel like yeah if you throw someone who's never uh played D before and doesn't know much about, like, Eastern philosophy or, or monistic traditions, they would be a terrible monk, and it would be a snooze fest. But I think with just an ounce of role-playing, it just the flavors come out, and I... I just
1: dis- No, I think your I like way it. of evaluating classes, I disagree with that, because, because you play with people who are really good, it's easy to evaluate a class, you know, if it has good flavor, because you have people who are playing it with the highest level of flavor included. I think you should be evaluating it with a medium amount. Like a, like a a median player, because that is like most players are going to be average.
0: Well, it's weird because I guess we're just on different uh, levels because I, I look at my players and I would consider them median players. Like they're great. They're fantastic. But I mean, I'm looking, I'm watching critical role. And if I watch critical role and see trained voice actors staying in character the whole time, not looking at their phones, like my players aren't doing that. I mean, they're great. They are fantastic. They're, like, amazing. But, like, I would consider the median players. And they kill it with role-playing and, and bringing out flavors. But, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting of how you judge a class because some classes can be great for new players. And some classes can be amazing if you have an experienced player. And which of those is better? Mm. You know, it's it's just a different perspective of So age. I think what David is trying to get at is
2: that if you look at the Paladin or the Rogue... Um, and their subclasses specifically, they're um, very evocative, and there's these terms in there that just jump out at anybody, right? Like, oh, I'm a paladin, I have this religious order, and I have, you know, these duties to go in quest. Like, anybody can get that. But you see the monk here, and I don't really get a feel that there's a tie back to an organization. It's not obvious to me necessarily how these are supposed to be used uh, narratively, And Uh that's not to say that it's bad or wrong. It's just that it's not obvious to um, our Western uh, ears and especially not for a new player.
1: So let let me explain it this way. So uh, with, with the paladin, you have specific options. There are specific, basically rules that you have to follow in order to fulfill your class. You either have to, you know, gain vengeance or maybe you're like, um, You're like the pacifist paladin, and you're trying to just prevent conflict at all costs. Those are two ways in which the class informs how you play the game. There's nothing in the monk class specifically that informs how you play. There's nothing that tells me, like, like I should be playing this style more it shouldn't
0: though it like what I, that's role-playing you can have a total barbarian and <laughs> play it way differently like that's the beauty of d like i don't want it to say you have to role-play like this to be this i'm not saying i'm know? saying that there there aren't any tools to inform how you should role-play and so i think that's something i'm trying to to think of more because um, i
1: don't think everyone is naturally talented at role-playing as you are jake <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, like
1: you are—you are you're someone who has an improv background, the goal, and it's easy for you to come up, go on the fly and just be like, "Hey, like I can I can figure out, you know, like yeah, I am a turtle monk. Like this is who I am. Like and come up with a crazy backstory that fits." Whereas other people that doesn't happen naturally, so you need to have tools in the kit in order for them to be able to actually fulfill, you know, being a good sh- turtle monk.
0: So, so this gets into kind of our differences in games sure. because essentially. We, we've talked about this before. Dungeons & Dragons is not a game. It is no. like a toolkit for making your own right. home game, right? So when I'm judging uh, classes, I'm judging them based with my table in mind um, and my world in mind. Um, because uh, what you said earlier, Will, to respond to that, you're playing in kind of a more standard medieval mm-hmm. European style game. My game, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it, but I would, I would describe it as like a foreign planet. Oh. And so all of the, the cultures are very foreign. And there's trace elements of, uh, you know, kind of the Middle Eastern culture or trace elements of, like, indigenous uh, Native Americans. Like, there's, there's little bits. And then there's plenty of European fantasy, um, plenty of, like, Victorian-era steampunk stuff. So all this stuff kind of conglomerates into, like, a weird mixture, almost like a foreign planet. And because of that, I think a monk, a monastery, can be added in there a little easier. Mm-hmm. Um, But I I haven't done much. There's a few monasteries in my world, um, but they've all been created by past players um, who have played monks. So I think how to make the monk shine more, um, not even as a class, but as an NPC, I want to include more monks as NPCs. I want to include monasteries as places people go more often, um, as locations. Um, I think it is... The, some of the burden is on the dungeon master to show the players that the flavor is there if they want to go that hmm.
2: way. This makes me want to um, build a settlement around a monastery and then put that somewhere really accessible for the players. So they are they have yeah. an excuse to interact with this culture and this um, this belief system of all these different monks. Yeah, maybe even inside of Waterdeep, I'll add something like this where you have the... Um, I don't know what you'd call it, the monastic district where you have all these different people going around.
0: Oh, yeah. Hmm. I like that a lot because I'm thinking of stuff just um, – I'm thinking of urban plot hooks um, for the upcoming Waterdeep, like urban campaign. And one of them I'm thinking is like maybe a murder mystery at a monastery. Like maybe the head of a monastery is killed. And then you have to like go and interact with monks um, who are – you know whose beliefs may be a little foreign – um, and strange, and you're you're trying to figure out what happened there or maybe there was a massacre at a monastery or maybe um, someone went missing whatever just have them interact with kind of an urban um, almost like you said like an underground dojo mm-hmm. um, type thing. I feel like that could be really cool. yeah, that
1: would be would be kind of interesting. We've talked a little bit about this,
2: but who
0: should be playing a monk right now? Okay, I have an answer for this I, okay so when I've when, when someone's trying to pick a class um, and they go, oh my gosh, I love Dragon Ball Z and I just want to punch a dragon to death. That is someone I'm, they can be a monk, but they might be similar to my distaste of barbarians. Um, They might be a player that is not suited for my table. Um, But if someone goes like, I want to play a monk and they're more mature uh, and they want to like almost be kind of a mentor figure, um, they know the mechanics really well. I think that person would thrive as a monk in my game. Mm -hmm. You know, a a want-to-punch-a-dragon-to-death guy who loves Dragon Ball Z and anime might fit great in other games, but I don't know how well it would fit in mine.
2: Um, Based on our conversations earlier, I think that this might not be for a new player, because like David's saying, other classes have more obvious hooks or um, things that just jump out to new players, starting like, oh, a wizard, I know what that is, or a fighter, I know what that is. Um, but a monk it might be outside the purview or the uh, experience of the average person. So I think this would be great for like a second or third character for a person who's coming into D&D. Um, or just anybody who's interested in kung fu movies in general. Yeah, someone who watches a lot mm-hmm. of anime. Yeah, because like, then they, a they, understand, lot of anime. <laughs> they understand that <laughs> world a lot better and they can role play it out in a way that's um, more convincing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> chop. Yeah. Let's talk about some interesting... Or unusual character concepts.
0: Okay. Um, so I kind of mentioned it earlier. Like, I love the idea of a turtle <laughs> monk. Just because, maybe like a turtle monk that's like Way of the Drunken Master. Like, I feel like that would be so funny because he's already underestimated for being a turtle, like a turtle person that's naturally slow. And then he'd be even more underestimated for appearing as a drunkard. Uh, but just s- imagining a turtle person punching with like a flurry of blows <laughs> it's just so satisfying to me um and you get the natural kind of unarmored armor of your shell oh you're right um i feel like i feel like that would be a really cool one it's just like a, some sort of turtle monk perhaps way of the drunken master
1: <laughs> yeah one david i definitely want to play a penguin monk <laughs> <laughs> a punk
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just, just beat beat him up
0: just flip Flipper Slap sl- him?
1: Flipper Slap him. That seems like the name of his order would be Flipper Slap. Flipper Slap.
0: <laughs> the Flipper Slap Academy.
2: <laughs> it sounds like like we're saying nonsense. <laughs> um, the one that comes out to me okay. is the Eberron content was just recently released onto D&D Beyond and in PDF. Um, and I like the idea of having a Warforged be maybe a way yes. of the soul or even the way of death. Because I think the... Exploring the idea of a character who is artificial and does not have what, like the conventional idea of a soul. This is like a sci-fi idea, right? Like the robot who wants to yeah. be real. Um, and then somebody embracing this very spiritual belief system and lifestyle and then manifesting that into the world. I think that's really cool and it asks a lot of interesting questions. So even like the way of the sun yes. soul, like you have um, maybe the sun that's bursting out of him is his energy core. Mm-hmm. And he's channeling that into... To oh, the
0: world. that's cool! Yeah, I, that is. I love Warforged <laughs> so, so cool. much. So it, it it works out perfectly because they were heavily involved as kind of like an invading force of a mm-hmm. bad guy on on Chult in my last campaign, and this new campaign is following right after, and it's going to be the more water the water deep, more urban one, um, and basically the factory that made Warforged blew up, um, and so there are no more Warforged being made. Um, so there are only about probably. A thousand left. Um, and there's like an underground railroad of Warforged into the city of Waterdeep because um Waterdeep is technically independent from the Republic, and the Republic has issued an order saying kill all Warforged oh on God. site. So so it's gonna be really cool to have, you know, someone in a hood and you know they take off the hood and they're a metal person. Mm. Like I really like what I can do with Warforged.
2: You would have to use some spells like disguise self or even seeming. To just blend into the crowd.
0: Ooh. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, dude,
2: yeah. I feel like Warforged
1: are just ripe for storytelling. D- David, do you have one? Yeah. So if you play a Taxibee Monk. A Tabaxi? It's called Feline Agility. So your reflexes and agility allow you to move with a burst of speed. When you move on your turn in combat, you can double your speed until the end of your turn. Once you use this trait, you can't use Jeez. it until you move zero feet in one of your turns. Basically... And I'm guessing that stacks with the monk. Basically, you can take a, a class that already moves very fast and double it. <laughs> and we doubled it. And, and
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's yeah.
1: hilarious.
0: Just the idea of a cat monk running a football field in like a you few seconds. You can move... Especially. So, um,
1: like, you essentially, I think... Can move Get like your calculators out. 240 <laughs> feet in one turn. Oh Wait. So if a turn is six seconds long,
2: how fast are you moving to go 240 feet in six seconds? <laughs> you're, you're the
0: Flash at this point. Okay, hold on. 240 feet divided by six. You're moving at 40 feet per second. Oh my gosh. I don't even. How fast <laughs> is that? <laughs> let me, okay. Let me, let me. Let me. Miles let me. Per hour. Let me figure this Crunch out. Crunch the
1: numbers. I'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out 40 feet per second 40 so you're moving at 27.273 <laughs> miles per hour you're like a cheetah a cheetah runs 30
2: yeah. at top speed no it's 60. oh okay right right yeah.
1: so um maybe you performing. are a cheetah because you're you're a, you're a the cat person oh, so you just like uh, you could be so a...
2: for most bicycles you will not go faster than 20 like for an average person and you're you're running 27
0: over 27 for six seconds straight you just <laughs> yeah, you're that's just awesome. That is really brr, funny. Brr, screep, pop, pop.
2: Whew. Jeez. Well, that's so uh, That's the monk. That's the monk. Welcome to the Question Vault. Every week, we answer one of your questions. You can submit your question to Boxer Podcast at gmail.com. This week, our question is from Max Labira. He says, hey, guys, love your content. I actually found you because you followed me on Twitter. So I think Jake is to blame for this. He he says, I'd love to hear you guys talk about dice. There's so much superstition surrounding them that comes from the old days, like rolling all the good rolls out or you can't touch someone else's dice without permission. Getting the dice acclimated to your body before you play by carrying them around all the time. Some people I know are even against electronic rolls that are subjectively more fair. You could talk about fudging rolls during play as a DM power. I hope you guys choose this topic. I decided to email you during the middle of the
0: Paladin episode. Max. Thanks, Max. Nice. Thanks, Max. Well, are you guys superstitious about dice rolls? Because I know there is a culture of superstition uh,
2: in the DD community. I am not at all. Um, I, I know that there are some <laughs> dice that are just manufactured poorly. Like, if you buy. Yeah. Um, so, I did this. I paid $10, I think, for a bucket of 100 assorted random dice. And I would say 75% of them are total trash. Like, they're just. They, there's bubbles in them. They don't roll fairly. And that's not superstition. That's. Science, that's a fact. That's super science. Super science station. Um, as for rolling all the good rolls out, that's not real.
0: That's not real. Okay, Um. so I would believe you. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, I have a dice that has killed two, almost three of my players. And I don't kill players often. <laughs> but, like, it has is, it is rolled, like, three ones in a row on two occasions. Ooh. And several times, two ones in a row. It is it's this t- very small dice I don't know where I got it all of the numbers are almost worn off except the number one which is f- <laughs> fine and and I'm telling you like it is it is an evil dice and I can't even roll it against my players because I will be rolling low for for whoever I'm rolling hmm. for um uh, so it is I'm telling you I don't believe in curses but I might make an maybe exception it's just balanced for poorly,
1: Jake because
0: maybe it is but isn't that a superstition in a no. way No what? <laughs> because you could have the
1: weight <laughs> okay. like loaded to Dude, one end of the dice. I
0: th- I think the culture of superstition about dice is harmless and Oh fun. yeah, I think like, it's hilarious play- and great. Like players players putting dice in the freezer whenever they don't Oh my well. god. It's so funny to me. Uh like people even high ranking people in the D&D community will like they will make comments about it, and you don't know if it's in jest or not, but it's like, it's really funny to, to see some of the, like, the anger. No, it's <laughs> it's crazy
1: because them. I'm playing a fighter in one of Will's games, and I don't have a low initiative. My initiative is probably one of the higher ones, and yet I always roll last in initiative. Yeah, last night Every you were last. time, every time, without fail, I'm always last, and I'm just like, what is happening so it's. I. There. Yeah.
0: I think it's, great. it's. I think it's fun. It's like telling ghost stories. Like, yeah. you know, they aren't real, but it's that's no, fun I, to, to tell ghost stories. I think stories.
1: the stories that you get from dice are hilarious because it's like, yeah, I rolled like <laughs> three ones in a row. Like, what's happening? Like, that's funny. Like, yeah. that's cool. So Max
2: yeah. also has this part where he says you could talk about fudging roles during play as a DM power. Ooh. Ooh. Oh.
0: I have thoughts. All right. Oh, let's hear them. Um, so yeah.
2: I. It, my background in D and D when I was just rolling a D 20 and making things happen so often I would roll in secret and then I would just lie about it. And it, maybe it wasn't so often, but it was, <laughs> it was occasional, Wait, right? Like, what? because I didn't understand that you shouldn't have players roll If the outcome is not dramatic or exciting, I, I've mentioned before, like, Oh, I tried to climb the ladder, roll the yes. dice. I yeah. failed. And now I can't climb it, Right. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. Um, and so in those situations I was fudging. Cause I was like, this makes no sense for you to fail, but as I grow older and hopefully wiser, I don't think a GM should fudge dice. I don't really. I think that the dice should fall where they fall. Um, but the, the the only way you can do this is if you're very fair with um, and very consistent with the way you explain the world and the way you, um, uh, what's the right word for it? Um, like you preview dangers, you, uh-huh. you foreshadow dangers. Mm-hmm. That way the players are responsible for what happens and not the DM. It's not like, oh, and now I ambush you, you yeah. never had a chance to react, and I got first initiative, and now you all die, and you
0: never had a chance. Like, that's not fair. So I I have fudged dice rolls. Um, occasionally I still do. I'd say it's well under 1% of mm. my rolls. Um, but every time I fudge the dice, it's in the player's yeah. favor. Like, I'm just like, okay, this, this zombie cannot kill the cleric right now. <laughs> Uh, like, like, it's just like stuff like that is I've done that occasionally. So I've never been like, Oh, I'll be meaner and uh, just make this monster do more damage, you know, or like, like get an at 20. Um, so, and a lot of times I roll on the open table um, cause I usually don't have a, D- a DM screen. Um, so they can see my rolls uh, for the most part. Um, I try to cover it with my hand, but I mean, half the players on the other side can <laughs> of the time so um I, I should probably get a screen <laughs> um but yeah I, I fudged occasionally but i've never fudged to hurt the players in any way so i don't know if that makes me a worse dungeon master um i i think we should do a yeah. poll so, and see if people fudge oh, for harm sh- or good i'm i'm the opposite i to be anonymous oh i'm a, I'm a big really boy then? so what the? a big fudgy boy I, david i hate you you are a min maxer power gamer but when you're the dm you fudge the duck. occasionally i don't this do it like, all the time so ironic so oh, it's okay i know like i'm not role. gonna
1: be like yeah oh he rolled a one so now it's a natural 20 like i don't do that so i'll have like a like a story in mind or a progression that i want to have happen and oftentimes it is in the player's favor so i'd say like 75 of the time However, if I wanted a combat to be more draining, and it's not, like, I might fudge dice, or I might give them some more power just to drain resources for a future encounter. See, I
0: fudge numbers oh, yeah. all so, the time, but I never, I don't like fudging rolls as much. I
1: do both, because I don't Cause think it, because well, either way, it doesn't matter. Like, either you... I
0: guess for me, I can't really fudge rolls, because they can see, for the okay. most part. So, oh, <laughs> so like, so I feel don't do it, because you
1: they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll call you out on it. That's... <laughs>
0: probably yeah, yeah so
1: i'll like all if i feel like a monster should it's like dying super fast and i'm like oh i wanted this to be a better encounter like I'll add hp because that's what i wanted to have from the story not necessarily because it's like oh i'm not ch- like i'm trying to kill them like i don't i don't ever go from the perspective of like i'm trying to kill my players because i don't think that's fun
0: yeah i think um for me i'm starting to learn the balance of 5e even more and more. And, and I'm also throwing harder and harder monsters um, that are more and more deadly and scary. Um, so I never have to fudge up to make the, the monsters do more damage or, like, crit or anything. I, I'm always, if I do fudge, which, I like I said, is rare, I'm fudging down to, like, help my players if they just had terrible luck themselves, mm-hmm. you know? It feels better to me. I don't know. It's still technically messing with math, but it feels nicer. (laughs) I don't know.
2: I just feel like there's other game design knobs you can turn, um, like either adding or subtracting enemies or having somebody flee. Like in the combat last night, the players were clearly winning, and so I just had um, the rest of the monsters flee, and so they killed them. And that was just in the interest of time. But I don't have to, like, fudge a dice roll Mm -hmm. and say, oh, like, I mean, I could have said, oh, you hit them harder and they die. I fudge up their damage a little bit, but I don't know. I just, I feel like there's
0: better ways to do it. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, there's more knobs to turn. Um, So, yeah, fudging dice, I used to do it, not a lot more, but probably maybe 2% of the Mm. time, and now it's well under 1%. Um, So, yeah, that is interesting, though. I really want to do an anonymous poll um, on Twitter or whatever to see what percentage of people fudge dice at all, Mm. because I bet it's pretty high.
2: Yeah. And that is The Vault. Thank you, Max, for your great question.
1: All right. So it's time for our weekly review corner. Every week we read our favorite five-star review from iTunes. This week's review is from Mr. Twitchy. I never grew up playing D&D, but listening to the intelligence and wit Vox Arcana brings, inspires me to care more about this game and actually pick it up more first podcast they've done and i'm intrigued can't wait for more and can't wait to play more great work thanks mr twitchy thanks wow mr twitchy it
2: doesn't sound like he's ever played dnd oh this is and he's uh, listening to the show thank you mr twitchy for oh, your yes uh, i think he was reviewing the first episode so I'm, i think we've improved a lot since then and if he liked us back then yeah oof, he loves us now Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana, episode 22. I'm William.
1: I'm Jake. And I'm David.
2: We'll see you next time. You can follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at VoxArcanaPod. Facebook and Instagram are at Vox Arcana Podcast, And our email is Vox Arcana Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Kia! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. We said it like hundreds oh, of times. I'm just going to start 1, using thousand. that like...